turn to Hebrews chapter 13. That's where we're going to read from today. Um, and just to let you know, we're starting a new series today called Free to Be. Free to Be. I'll explain what that all means in a, in a few moments. But first of all, I've asked Arita in her loveliest reading voice. Yeah. There we go. So we're reading from, um, from verse 1 through to 16. Good morning all. And as Chris says, it's Hebrews chapter 13 and in verses 1 through to verse 16. So it's up on the screen. You can follow along or you can do that in your own Bible. It says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. And those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and also the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortal do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high, priest is carried, the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burnt outside the camp. <coughs> And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Amen. Thank you. Very good. Yeah. Feels good. <clears throat> We're not actually going to cover the whole of that uh, piece of scripture today. Um, but I, it's, sometimes it's just good to hear it in the context, um, and so it's just good to hear the scripture being read aloud to us. So um, just to let you know, 
Um, we're starting this new series, and uh, alongside it, every week you'll be getting, um, if you're in a connect group, connect group leaders will be getting a, a special kind of uh, bit of, I don't know what you call them, <laughs> worksheets? Well, it's better than worksheets, it's got to be better than worksheets. There you go. A resource. That sounds better, doesn't it? A resource email, um, which just kind of gives you a summary of the sermon and then some questions to discuss um, as a group. If you would uh, like a copy of that and you're not a Connect Group leader, first of all, I've printed off a few for this week down here, but also you could email um, uh, connectgroups at cityhope.co.uk and we can get you on the list of people that get this. So that will hopefully help you as you go through the week think about what we've been talking about today. So there you go, something for nothing. So today we're going to be starting a a series called Free to Be. And in this series we're going to be looking at some of the freedoms that we have in Christ. Now freedom is a popular word within Christianity. You'll always hear the word. We've sung it in the songs today about freedom. And often we're thinking about some of the amazing things that we've been freed from. From, that's hard to say. Freed, we've been freed from the power of sin and of guilt. And so the things that we've done wrong don't have a hold on us anymore because of what Christ did on the cross. He paid the punishment for them, and so we don't have to walk around with guilt. We've been freed from it. It's an exciting thing. We've been freed from the fear of death. So even though we might die, we have a hope beyond the grave. And so it's not something, it's sad when someone dies, but we've got a hope. Those that have put their trust in Jesus, we're like, yes, they're going to go to their eternal, the eternal city that it talks about in there. The place where actually there's no more tears and no more, tire, no more sadness. And so there's this freedom from fear. But in this series, we're going to be looking at the things we are freed to be. You see, when Jesus came, he didn't just come to free us from stuff. He, he came to free us into new life. Jesus said, I have come that you, you might have life in all its abundance. And so we're going to be looking at some of these freedoms that Jesus has called us to walk in. And these freedoms, they, they, they bring goodness, they bring life, they bring hope into your own life. So you'll find actually, as I apply these things that God has freed me to do, goodness and life comes but also to us as a community and to the believers, to the church. It brings life and hope as we live in these freedoms. And they also bring real blessing and hope and goodness and life to the world about. So your neighbours should be blessed by the fact that you're a Christian. And uh, even hearing John talking about kindness today, that was really challenging. And and actually that really confirms, I think that's going to confirm some of the things that I'm talking about today. Actually, God's called us to be kind. God's called us to live in some of these freedoms. So what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at how in Christ we are free to be hospitable in a culture of isolation. That's what we're looking at today. We're going to be looking at being happy in a culture of cynicism. We're going to look at being humble in a culture of arrogance and pride. We're going to look at being honest in a culture of appearances, and we're going to be looking at being hopeful in a culture of despair. You see, as we live in the way that Christ calls us to live, we bring all this goodness and this hope to the nation and to the places that we're living in. So we're going to celebrate all these freedoms that we're called to walk in, and we're going to be asking, how does this work out day to day in my life, in our lives? 
Um, so that's going to be exciting. Looking forward to that? Yeah. Good. I'm glad. Okay, so today we're going to be looking at free to be hospitable in a, sorry, I'm flicking around, in a culture of isolation. I'm going to give you a bit of bad news so we can get to the good news. Um, one of the most surprising quirks about living in a city such as London, a large city, is that the higher the density of population, so the more people that are living in a place, it seems the more loneliness and isolation there is. A, a recent YouGov poll revealed that people living in cities are far more likely to suffer loneliness and, uh, and feelings of isolation, uh, isolation compared to the rest of the nation. So across the UK, and these are, these are quite scary stats, I think. Across the UK, 44% of people reported experiencing profound levels of loneliness. 44 across the UK. But in cities such as London, they found that that, that figure rose to 56% of people. 56%. So our, over half the people in London, it's not just, oh, I get bored and uh, you know, I feel a bit sad for a little while. Over half the people in London experience, on a regular basis, a deep feeling of loneliness or isolation. And, um, and, and also, so, and that the study found that actually that was across the age groups. It was across whether you were married or not married, part of a family, had kids. Actually, every single age group and type of person was finding that they've got these kind of feelings of loneliness and isolation. But it was particularly bad, actually, between, in people between the ages of 16 and 24, uh, 26, sorry. Um, and some of the reasons were things like this. Number one, lack of communi <coughs> community. So a lot of people that have been brought up outside of London... They move into London, and what they're doing is they're leaving behind their families that they've known all their lives, um, and friendship groups that have been really important to them, and they're coming to London and they're alone. Now, that's, that's if, if you've come from a different part of Britain, or even if you've come from a different country, even more, if, you, if there's language barriers between you, that's going to cause a feeling of isolation between you and the rest of the world. So that was one of the reasons. Another reason was comparison. So a lot of people find themselves looking in London, they're looking around saying, well, everyone else is living the life. Everyone else looks like they're having a great time. Everyone else seems happy and content. And here I am with these feelings, these deep feelings of loneliness and isolation. I don't think there's anything intrinsically wrong with things like Facebook and uh, Twitter and Instagram. But one of the things that it is evident is, is that people use it and find themselves comparing their life with the life of other people. So if someone's lonely and feeling lonely and they're on their phone flicking through Instagram and seeing the coffee that people are drinking and seeing the lifestyle that people are having and the money that people are able to spend, it can make you just feel more isolated. I am not part of that. I'm not part of that happy crowd out there. They don't realize that actually that's just the best of everyone. It's not, it's not actually a kind of snapshot into people's lives. So that was, another, that was one of the big um, factors. And then the other one was a, a low-level anxiety. Work is demanding. There's always this kind of stress in London of you've got to be at work or you've got to be getting enough income to st even stay afloat. 
And if work is a problem, if, if you're finding it hard to get, uh, to get work or you know, you're, you're relying on particular benefits and you're not sure whether you're going to keep getting them, that's, that's a cause of anxiety and it bring, breeds this loneliness within us. And so there's this lots of different reasons why everyone seems to be suffering with loneliness or at least half of the people in the, in the city. So if we... If, if these stats are true, then that means in this room, half of us, over half of us, struggle on a regular basis with loneliness. That's, if we care for one another, as we're called to, as Christ calls us to, if we care for one another, that should be a problem to us. If you think about whatever block or estate or street or road you live on, if you think of over half of those people are regularly feeling a sense of loneliness or isolation... If Christ is in you, that should be a problem to you. And you should be saying, God, what, what are you calling me to do about this? Now, the good news is, we can start looking at the good news. Uh, the Bible really takes this issue very seriously. Hospitality is a massive part of the Bible. God never uh, created us to live in isolation from one another. God always created us to have relationship and to be in good, strong, solid relationships. Relationship with him, that we know God our Father, and relationship with one another. That was always the plan. And because of that, hospitality is a theme that comes up again and again and again throughout the Old Testament in the Bible and the New Testament. <coughs> now, when we hear the word hospitality, we often think of two things. Maybe you think of the hospitality industry. So, does anyone here work in the hotel industry? Oh, we've got one over here. So, the hotel industry, um, what other industries? The catering industry, Sharon. Anyone else on the catering industry? Okay, tourism industry. Anyone got tourism? There you go. John's a partaker. Very nice. He does. He's doing his bit. He's doing his bit. So if, if you're in one of those, then the kind of umbrella term for that is the hospitality industry. And so your job is, is as people come into the city, your job is to kind of make sure they have a good time, they enjoy themselves, and you get a bit of money out of it. So that's all good. Okay, so, so that's the first thing. And then the second way we think of it often is having people over to our family, our, our home, or inviting them into the family. And across different cultures, hospitality looks really very different in different places, which is one of the questions on, on this one is, in uh, growing up or you know, in your culture, what does hospitality look like? Because I think you'll find, as you talk to other people, hospitality looks very different across the world. I loved um, the New Year's celebration. Uh, food is, is not the be-all be and end-all of hospitality, but it's, it's pretty important in the story. Okay, And the food from... Burma, across Africa, um, Liz, you brought some, uh, she brought some, uh, what was it, pizza from Italy, so, you know, we've got, we got, we got, like, places from all the nations of the world, expressions of hospitality, all the best chicken, it was amazing, really good times, so that's really, jollof rice, yes, we, had, we didn't have a rice off, we didn't, we, we decided against it. But it was amazing, and it was lovely, and, and the generosity of heart, just seeing people like, oh, could you bring some food? Yeah, I'll bring some food. It's like, whoa, amazing. No one went hungry. It was amazing. 
Sharo um, and Lex, they live out, out in Kurdistan, and they were telling me that at any point in the day, they could have just a whole family turn up. And, and if they turn up at their door, then they're there for the day. Um, and so you feed them. And, and they said, he said, the trick is in this, so he's, he's from uh, Kurdistan, and, and, and the, the hospitality etiquette is that, you know, you keep feeding. But if someone brings out a bowl of fruit, that's the polite way of saying, it's time to go home. <laughs> that's what he said. So if, you're, if Sharon and Lex are here and they give you some fruit, <laughs> off you go. So there you go. Yeah. Let's, let's just get this over and done with. No. So biblical hospitality does, it involves all of that. It involves looking after people, bringing them into your home and, and for them to be part of your family. But it, it's more than that. It's deeper than that. And we're going to look at three of the verses we read at the beginning. The first two and the last one. Uh, verse one said, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Ooh. And the last verse, verse 16 said, do not forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So the first verse is talking about brotherly love. The second verse is talking about showing hospitality to strangers. And the third verse, verse 16, is talking about doing good and sharing with others as, um, as this is a sacrifice that is pleasing to God. Okay, so keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Throughout the New Testament, it's clear that God wants his people, his church, his body to see themselves as a family. If you read any of the letters in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul or Peter or John or whoever, you will hear this family kind of language used over and over again. We're described as brothers and sisters or mothers. We have mothers and fathers in the faith. In the faith. We have sons and daughters. This kind of language is all over the New Testament. And in our reading today, the writer to the Hebrews is reminding us to keep on loving one another as with a brotherly love. The reason for this is we've been adopted into God's family. So the church isn't like a family. It is a family. It's not supposed to just kind of resemble a family. God is saying it is a family. And God is the head of that family. He's the, one, he's, he's, the, he's the father. He's the one that says, I want my family to work like this. And, and one of the things that God is very in, uh, insistent on, this, this heavenly father, is that his, the brothers and sisters, the children in the family, get on together. He, he requires us to work hard on it. See, I've got four kids, and uh, they're lovely kids, um, but over Christmas, uh, from time to time, they start bickering. And they get, they get on each other, other's nerves and, and stuff like that. And sometimes you kind of let the, the kind of conversation slide. But sometimes the way they talk to each other, it makes me just say, stop a minute. The way you are talking to one another in this moment is not honoring to one another. You are not sh showing that you love or care for one another. The language you're using is, is angry and it's selfish. So let's change 
the language. And in the same way, God does that for us. So uh, that's why in, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, look, if you come with your offering to, to God and you suddenly remember, I've got a problem with my brother and sister, put your offering down, go and sort out the issue you've got with your brother and sister and then come back and give your offering. Why? Because the relationship is more important at that point than the gift. It's why Jesus, uh, so, sorry, it's why um, John says, in John, uh, 1 John 4, he says, um, if you say you love uh, God but hate your brother, you're a liar. And you'd think, wow, that's pretty strong language to use. But no, because God is insistent. He, we're part of his family, and in his family, this is how it's going to work. You see, you, you've got different experiences as family. So you might have a, a family over Christmas, you've had 45 of you all in the same house, and you've loved every moment of it. You've had you know, aunts and uncles and sisters and brothers, and you all get on exactly the same. You all do the parenting in exactly the same way. You all, it's just delightful. You all got the same political outlooks, and you've just, just had an amazing time. I imagine that's the Greenways household. That's what I imagine. And I, I say, good on you. Or maybe, maybe it's been really a tough time, and you're like, oh, I'm glad Christmas is over. Just have to wait for another year. Or maybe it's somewhere in between, which is, which is where, where most people are at. Yeah? But in one sense, it, it, that doesn't matter. Even Jesus, with his own family, had problems. If you read the Gospels, it, doesn't, it seems quite awkward at times. But, but the point is, we're not, God's not making that family, or your family, or your family. He's making his own family, and he's setting his own rules. He's saying, I'm the head of this family, and this is how it's going to work. Okay, so we're called to brotherly love. How are we doing at City Hope? I think in many ways we're doing really well. I, again, over the last few weeks, I've just heard great stories of how people have been invited into homes for different meals and problems that people have had. Someone else in the church has gone and, 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 and helped sort that out and lots of different things. And, and throughout it, I know week by week, there's people giving lifts to people to get them to church, and there's lots of different examples of good hospitality, of good caring and loving for one another. But there's obviously still room to develop. No family ever says, you know what, I think we're pretty much the perfect family. <laughs> and in the same way, when no church is ever going to say, do you know what, I think we've got this sorted. It's going to constantly, we've got situations change, and so we need to adapt, and we need to we need to be looking out. Who's, who's not being looked after? Who's not being cared about? Who am I not being hospitable to? These are the kind of questions we need to ask ourselves. You see, I can't promise that loneliness will never be an issue in City Hope. I really can't. But we can be aware that it's a significant problem, that probably over half of us are feeling lonely and isolated in a, quite a serious way um, quite often. We can be aware of it. We can be considerate of others. We can stop and say, you know what, while I'm thinking about who to invite to go somewhere or while I'm thinking about who to have over for dinner, who might really be benefit from me asking them to come in? We can, we can be uh, thinking about that and we can be intentional. So you're going out of your way to think, who could do with some help? Who could do with a bit of hospitality, a bit of love? I think it would be great to see more of that. 
See, Jesus, just to say, you might be thinking, I haven't got the ability to be hospitable. I've, I, I live in a, a room in a flat chair, and so how can I be hospitable? I love Jesus' hospitality. Jesus' hospitality says this, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I'm coming to your house for dinner. <laughs> so, like, I, I, he was creative. He, he, didn't, he didn't have any f- money f- for himself. He was homeless, but he was the most hospitable. He was constantly bringing other people in. So be creative in your hospitality. So there you go. So if we could, uh, the, reason, the reason I'm saying this is if we can't be hospitable with one another and care for one another, how can we be hospitable to strangers? And if we want to grow as a church, why would God say, yeah, that's a good place to go if we're not caring for the needs of those coming in and we're not caring for the needs of one another? So it's really important. So, uh, so that's caring for one another. Do, uh, verse 2 says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. The phrase hospitality to strangers is one word in the Greek, and I don't know if this is how you pronounce it, but it's philazinos, and it means the love of strangers. So this, this verse is literally calling us to be people that love strangers. The first, the first word was um, love, love our brothers. This one is love strangers. We're commanded to love strangers. The opposite to um, this word, philozenos, is xenophobia, which is a hatred or a mistrust of strangers. Imagine if, as a church, we said, no way are we getting into xenophobia, but we're going to do the opposite every time. Imagine, imagine the difference it makes in our community, in our culture at this time. It's so important. So this, um, so it's kind of been talked about as, you know, show hospitality to strangers, but it actually goes a lot deeper than that. Uh, the, the word actually holds something of bringing people into your home, into your family, to make them part of what's going on. Um, so John Tyson says this. He says, Biblical hospitality is creating an environment of welcome where there's a, a conversion of a person's identity from a stranger to a friend, from an outsider to an insider, so that they can belong. So that's the goal of hospitality, is to know, so that someone knows they've been brought in and that they belong. Why should we do this? Well, the most obvious reason is because God did that to us. The Bible says that once we were all foreigners and strangers to God. We had all rejected him. We weren't part of the family. Is, is there anyone here um, that was brought up Jewish? No one? So that means we are all uh, we are all the Gentiles, okay? So we're all the people that were on the outside. But it says in Ephesians chapter 2, 19, it says, So you, Gentiles, are no longer strangers or foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. So all of us have received the hospitality of God, which is why John Tyson says the gospel is the hospitality of God. So if God shows us such tremendous hospitality by sending Jesus, by making a way for us to come into his family, surely we want to be 
hospitable to. I've just, sorry, I've just done that. Here we go. So the verse goes on to say, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Now, this verse is referring to a story in Genesis 18, where it's before Abraham and Sarah had had a child, and they're, um, they're, they're, they're kind of in their house tent thing, um, and some three strangers come along. And uh, they show incredible hospitality to these strangers. They feed them, they wash them. Uh, it says uh, Abraham bowed down, down low in a sign of respect for them. They showed incredible hospitality to them. And then it turned out that these three strangers, at least two of them, were angels. And they had come to bring good news. Sarah, Abraham, although you're really old, God's going to bless your prayers and you are going to have a child. And the writer here is saying, look, these guys showed hospitality and the result of it was the nation of Israel was born. What an incredible outcome. So perhaps when you're showing kindness and hospitality to strangers... Perhaps you're entertaining an angel. Or perhaps that, that person who's been so rude to you and, and annoying, but you've shown hospitality and love to them, perhaps they're going to get saved and become the next, I don't know, Billy Graham or whoever. <coughs> Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen to them? Or perhaps you feeding someone a meal is, is the highlight of their year and they haven't felt such love and such kind of uh, connection with someone else in a really long time. Or perhaps Jesus will, will remember what you did. And one day he'll say, what you did to that person, you did for me. Ch uh, verse 16 says, And do not forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. You know, there's always an element of sacrifice in hospitality. It's expensive. It's expensive. You're going to do a massive pot of chicken and rice. That costs some money. Someone's got to go to work to get all of that stuff. If you're going to put someone up for a few days and, and, and feed them every day, that costs you something. It's sacrificial. It, it costs you time. It costs you... Sometimes it's like, no, do you know what? I'm going to go and see that person. I could be doing this, but I'm going to, I'm going to sacrifice that because I want to go and spend some time with my friend over here. And it's sacrificial. But... It's worship to God. That kind of uh, imagery of sacrificial is it's like, no, do you know what? I'm giving this because I love that person and because I want to worship God. And so when we, when we um, are hospitable, we do it with a sacrificial heart. And that's a heart of worship, a, wor a heart that says, God, I know how good you've been to me. And I want to bless you and honor you. And I want to bless and honor this person as well. So it should be sacrificial. But I wanted to finish with this to say, although it should be sacrificial, it should never cost you your joy. It shouldn't cost you your joy. Sometimes it's not fun to be um, hospitable, but it shouldn't cost you your joy. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. His sacrifice, there was, he was doing it for a joy. And I think, you know, so often it, you can find yourself... Uh, trying to be hospi hospitable and you're working really hard and you don't feel like you're getting much thanks for it. And in that point, if you're feeling like, actually, this is making me more angry than like I'm serving this person, I'd just say, just take a break for a minute. 
Go and pray and go and say, God, I've lost my joy in hospitality here. See, Mary, Mary and Martha, they got to put Jesus up. And they were, you know, they got to spend time with Jesus. And it, was it Mary? Mary got really cross. Was it Martha? So Martha got really cross with Mary because Martha was doing all the work and Mary was just sitting there listening to Jesus. And actually, she had lost the joy of serving God in that moment. And Jesus kind of gently but rebukes her and says, no, you've missed the point. And so if you're struggling, actually, if, you, if you, you're, hus- you're a hospitable person, but it just feels like you're getting beaten up and uh, used, just stop and ask God, God, give me grace for this. Give me wisdom for this. Give me the joy back. Because, and I, when I talk about joy, I'm not just talking about fun. I'm talking about this sense of I'm doing what God has called me to do. Because it's a gift of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in and helps us and brings it back to life for us. Okay. So I want to finish by encouraging us, City Hope. Let's show biblical hospitality to one another and to strangers, to foreigners, and to neighbours over 2020. London is a lonely place, but we've got family, we've got friendship, And most importantly, we've got a heavenly father to introduce people to. If you're connect group leaders, I want you to ask yourself a question. Who could I be inviting in? They might not be the easiest person. They might not be the most natural person for you to think, oh, most of my people are this age. Why would I bring someone in that age? Because you're looking to be hospitable. Families, who else could you invite along for Sunday lunch or when you're going out for a walk? Who else could you bring along? Just be thinking about all of those things. I want to pray for for three groups of people or or have an opportunity to pray for them at the end. So first of all, if if you would say, actually, God's put something of hospitality in my heart, but over Christmas I've just lost a bit of the joy of it, I'd love to pray for you because your gifting is really important to us as a church. And we want you to be full of joy as as you're being hospitable. So if, if, if that's you, I, I feel called to, to kind of hospitality, but I've lost the joy of it. I'd love to pray for you at the end. Secondly, if you're feeling lonely, which could be dangerous because may, maybe over half of us are feeling lonely, but if you're feeling lonely and you'd like someone to pray with you, I'd love to do that. And then finally, um, just John's word about offering uh, you know, God giving this gift and just sending it back. Maybe you're here and, and you've not accepted the hospitality of God. Maybe you're here and you've like heard this message of Jesus loves you, he died for you, he wants the best for you, he wants to give you freedom. But you've always said, no, 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 no. Maybe today you need to say, yes, I'm taking that gift. Maybe today you want to say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want this freedom that you're giving me. So we're going to finish there. I'm just going to pray. And then if, you, if that's you if, you, if you, if you're hospitality, but you've lost the joy, if you're feeling lonely, or if you want to give your life to Jesus and accept this gift of eternal life, then I'd love you to um, come, come up and chat to me at the end. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have freed us from so many things. And we can, Lord, freedom from fear, freedom from sin, freedom from shame. But God, I thank you that you've not just freed us from them, but you've freed us into all this amazing stuff. And Lord, we want to be hospitable. We want to reflect you. We want to, like you're our father, and we want to we be like you as your children. We want to 
We want to represent you in this world. We want to show the hospitality of Christ to those around us. So I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us be that at City Hope. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Cool.